I don't like to oversimplify things too often. But the Christmas season and the Christmas spirit is simply this. Jesus is the reason that we celebrate. We're going to do things a little bit different this morning. And I want to, since this is the last Sunday before Christmas, I want us to read the Christmas story together. We get all the kids to come up. We did not practice this, by the way. And if the parents want to take pictures, this is the quietest I've ever seen them. Very, very good. All right. What is the reason for Christmas? Jesus' birthday. That's exactly right. So we're going to read the Christmas story this morning. The Bible says it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Who was Joseph? Mary's husband. To be taxed with Mary. Who was Mary? Jesus' mother. <clears throat> to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And so it was that while they were there, the day, I lost my place, <clears throat> she would be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And there in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord showed round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you this day in the city of David is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward me. Very good. May be dismissed. <clears throat> Give them a round of applause. They did an outstanding job. That's always a wild card. <laughs> and God was with us this morning. The title of my sermon this morning is The Greatest Story Ever Told. The Greatest Story Ever Told. 
And that is how the greatest story ever told begins. You wouldn't expect that. As humbly as that began, the greatest story ever told, and it starts in a manger. That's not how royalty is supposed to enter the world. We're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and yet we read about him being born in a stable. Royalty, usually when they visit, it is a big deal. I, uh, I read this morning, in fact, about Queen Elizabeth making a visit to the United States. And some reporters delighted in the fact that writing down all of the, th the stuff that she brought with her for this trip, there were 4,000 pounds of luggage. 4,000 pounds for the queen. 4,000 pounds of luggage. This luggage included two outfits for every occasion. A morning outfit. I don't mean pajamas. I mean in case someone was to die. 40 pints of blood. She brought with her on this trip her hairdresser, two valets, and a host of other attendants. And they estimated the cost of the Queen's trip at about $20 million. And yet the greatest story ever told was not royalty visiting another country. It was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords entering into this world. His outfit was swaddling clothes. His attendants were farm animals and shepherds. And yet this is how the greatest story ever told begins. And I, I began to search for a scripture that would explain the greatest story ever told. Because we've heard the story time and time again of the birth of Jesus. And I, this is just how the greatest story ever told begins. But the greatest story ever told is when he came as a baby in a manger, as he grew up, as he lived a perfect, sinless life, as he died on an old, cruel, rugged cross for our sins, was buried, and three days later rose again. That is the greatest story ever told. And I tried to find a scripture that would wrap up, to the best of my ability, the last Sunday before Christmas, what the greatest story ever told means to me. And this is the scripture I came up with. John chapter 10, verse 7 through 10. John chapter 10, verse 7 says this, Jesus said again, Truly I say unto you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters me, enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and out and find pleasure. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. This was the story before Jesus showed up. A thief comes only to kill and steal and and destroy. But I have come that ye may have life and that ye may have it in abundance. He came in that lowly manger. He gave his life so that I may have life. That sums up the greatest story ever told to me. Because of the story I read and the way it began, because of this story, because of this book, 
I can have this book. Because he gave his life, I have a life. My story is not the greatest story ever told, not by any stretch of the imagination. But because of that story, I have this story. And I want to look at a little bit of this story. I was born just a few miles down the road. But my story doesn't begin there. My story begins 800 miles away from there in Oklahoma in June of 1988, the little country tabernacle church camp. First page of this book is what it is. And that's the night I got saved. The night I gave my heart and my life to the Lord. I've told this numerous times, and I'll tell it the rest of my life. Twelve years old. I was sitting back in, almost to the very back. And the preacher was preaching on the crucifixion. And I'd heard it. I'd been in church all my life. I'd heard it a thousand times. But that night, I really heard it. That night, I felt every whip crack every pounding of a nail and I knew every bit of that was for me when the invitation was given I held on to the back of that pew surrounded by all my buddies and I began to think one of these days I'm gonna face Jesus one of these days I'm gonna look into his eyes and when that day comes I will not be able to tell him that what he did was not enough for me. And I let go of that pew, and I walked that aisle. And the whole time I was going down, the devil was in my ear. All your buddies going to make fun of you. It's Tuesday night at church camp. You got all week. You're wasting your time. And I got down and knelt down at the old altar, not to pray. I said, God, forgive me. And he did. And I just knelt there and I wept. When I finally got done crying all I could cry and thanking God all I could thank God, I got up and I prepared to turn and face the angry mob. I got up and I turned around and there wasn't one person in a pew. They had all got up. They had all come down the altar. They was praying for me. They was praying for their family. All my buddies got saved that night. That is where my story began. And there are several chapters in this story. There's a chapters in this story about uh, some of the churches in Oklahoma that I grew up in and the things that I learned from those churches and, and the people that I met. I made lifelong friendships. Situations that I went through in those churches with those people that helped me all of my life. There is, there is a chapter in here when I met the Maddies. This is when my life turned to a comedy. Uh, I, I met Lori, and, and, and one of these days I'm going to write it all down, the way me and Lori met, and, and it, was, it was it was an act of God that I was brought into her life. And uh, I, uh, first week I met her, we had talked uh, on the phone a few times. We had written letters to each other for about six months. 
I finally met her in the summer of 95 and uh, knew her dad was a pastor. Scared me to death. Because, you know, and, and I was always raised, we reverence pastors, and you always put pastors up on a pedestal, and, and I was scared to death. And uh, the first memory I have of, of Pastor Dale, you know, I come to, we were staying at a beach house, and I come down the stairs, and, and he was there at the counter, and I thought, oh, it's just, just me and him in this kitchen. And, and I walk over to him, and he was standing next to some Chips Ahoy cookies. <laughs> and I walked over to the counter, and he said, look here. I said, yes, sir. He said, they're bite-sized. And he stuffed the whole cookie in his mouth. <laughs> later, on that, <clears throat> later on that day, we went to Wendy's, and we ate, and we, were, we got done eating, and uh, we were getting ready to go, and so we was taking our trays to the trash can, and I watched Pastor Dale as he walked over to the trash can, and he put his tray in there, and he slid the food off, and then he looked around and shoved the whole tray in the trash can and <laughs> ran for the door. I said, me and him are going to get along fantastically. And I don't even know if he remembers this or not, but the first Christmas present he ever bought me was a Thompson Chain Reference Bible. had my name on it. And uh, word got back to me. It was not direct. Word got back to me. He bought me this Bible, and he told Bonnie, he said, I told you Lori was going to marry a preacher. I was not a preacher. I had no aspirations of being a preacher. And I said, well, he doesn't look old enough to be senile, but you never know. We got married, and uh, they have been, they've been family. My whole life they've been family. He's been my pastor for over 20-something years. And uh, I would not be where I am today not doing what I do today had it not been for the Maddies. God knew that I, I was where I was. He needed me a 1,000 miles away because he had some people I had to meet. We got married. We started a family. Uh, there's a large chapter in this book about uh, the day we sat across from the doctor and the doctor told us your son is eat up with cancer. It's in here that seven, eight days later we go home and that same doctor is on the answer machine saying your child is cancer free. Amen. It goes on to read that they grow. They started getting accustomed to life in Ohio, which is not an easy thing to do. And uh, God says, I want you in Alabama. I was all about that. But I said, there's a woman that lives down at the bottom of the hill that will never speak to me again. And Bonnie said hello this morning. I, I think that's the first time since we've moved that she spoke to me. There's a side note in that chapter where we pack up everything we own.
and drive to Alabama. And halfway there, I get a call that the job that I'm supposed to have is no longer there. All my worldly possessions are in a moving van, and I have no job. And I say, God, I can't imagine what you've got next, but I'm looking forward to it. The job I end up with is not the job I wanted, but the job I end up with prepares me for the job I have right now. If I had not got the job I had when I moved here five years ago, I would not be able to do the job I am doing right now, and I absolutely love my job right now. There are uh, a few chapters of the churches in Alabama. One of the first churches I came to in Alabama, not moving here, but we just visited, and I came to Oasis. I remember, in fact, me and Lori hadn't been married very long at all. We didn't have kids yet, and we visited this church 20 years ago. And we came in the back, and, and we sat on the back pew, and I said, I like this church. We moved to Alabama, find a church right across the street pretty much from where we lived. We got in, we got involved, met a lot of good people, loved it. I said, I'm going to get in, I'm going to get involved, we're going to do this. The kids immediately got involved, and God said, that's not where I want you. And he moves us to another church, and we get involved with that church, and we love those people. God says, that's not where I want you. I placed you there, but you're not going to stay. Moved to another church. Got involved with those people, loved those people, made lifelong friendships. Some of those people are here this morning. God said, that's not where I want you. And then he calls me to Oasis. And none of this would happen. None of this story would happen had it not been for that story right there. There would be no chance of any of this happening had not that first been done. I want to notice a few things about this book. We went over a few of the chapters. Some of the things I love about this book. And uh, this book is, is the story of my life and it's a lot of times been a comedy, a lot of times been a thriller, a lot of times been a horror story. But the one thing I noticed when I was going over all this was as I read through the chapters, none of the mistakes that I've made made it into this book. None of the bad decisions that I made, none of the bad things that I've done. Because the greatest story ever told happened. Because Jesus died on that cross. Because this story started with me at 12 years old saying, God, forgive me of my sins. God said, all right. Past, present, future sins. Because otherwise... This would be plumb full of my mistakes, my bad decisions, my wrong turns, my stupid thinking. But because of God's grace, none of that made this book. 
Another thing I've noticed and I love about this book is page after page after page as I go through it, I can see God's hand on my life. You know what? I couldn't see God's hand on my life in the third page. But by about the twelfth page, I seen why God was doing what he was doing on page three. I didn't see just a few years ago what God had planned for the last page of this book so far. But I can see it now. I can see God's hand on my life, moving me exactly where he needs me to be, letting me meet the right people, letting me get acquainted with the right kind of attitudes. But what I want you to notice more than anything this morning is there is a lot of empty pages still in this book. There is a page with the title, Robinson Family, 2019. Hadn't been written yet, but I can't wait to read it. There's a page titled, Oasis Church, 2019. Hadn't been written yet, but I cannot wait until next year at this time to read those pages. Because God has something in store for us. My question for you this morning is, everyone walked in here with this same book. Not this particular book. Mitchell's book said Mitchell's life. Dwayne said Dwayne's life. Doug said Doug's life. Bob Lawson, if he was here, his would say, Bob's life. It would be about this thick. <laughs> we all come in here with this book. My question is this, and the most important question you'll be asked all day. Do you have a first page? Because this book does not start until you're born again. You cannot... Be penned in this book until you've given your heart and your life to the Lord. So do you have a first page? And if you don't, we can take care of that this morning. And if you do, if you have a first page. If you, like me, through this last week, have been thinking about the pages in this book of your life, while I've been talking, you've been thinking about the different pages and what the pages of your book would say, what the headings would be, what the endings would be, how God has moved you from page 3 to page 23. What do you want your next pages to say? The greatest story ever told is the story of Jesus Christ. But the greatest story Jesus Christ wants to tell is the story of your life. What are you doing with the life that he has given you? No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, what is being written in this book, the life you're living for Jesus Christ. Because when all is said and done, that's all that matters. We'll give an account for what's in this book. How did I live my life 
for Jesus Christ. One of these days you're going to face him. I thought when I was 12 years old, one of these days I'm going to face Jesus. What am I going to say? When you face Jesus, what are you going to say? With every head bowed and every eye closed. What does your book say this morning? You knew when you walked through those doors what you wanted to do today. You knew when you walked through those doors what you needed this morning. You need Jesus. Nothing else matters. Nothing else is going to come close. You need Jesus. He wants to write the story of your life. Will you let him? Because when we start writing it, we'll make a mess of things. We've seen that time and time again. I'm tired of writing my own story. I'm tired of my life becoming an utter mess. I need Jesus. If you're here this morning, and that's you, why don't you come? The greatest Christmas present I would ever get be to pray with you. You need Jesus and you know you do. Why don't you come? Wherever you are, whoever you are, I'm tired of writing my own story. I need Jesus. You came in this morning burdened. You came in this morning with your life in a mess. You know how to fix it. Maybe you're here this morning. You've been saved. But there's been very few pages lately written in the book of what you've done for Jesus. Of what Jesus has done in your life. You want this next year to be different. This next year, there's going to be a page, 2019. I want it to be different. I want to be able to not hold back. I want to be able to give everything I have to Jesus. I have made a mess of 2018. I want 2019 to be different. I need to pray. Why don't you come? The invitation is going to last a little longer than I want to close. But if you need to pray, don't leave this building. Jesus, don't leave this building. You have something on your heart and on your mind. If you have a burden, don't take it with you. Why don't you come? Don't drag it back out those doors. Why don't you come?
my story may change my family tree. My story can change my eternal destiny. That's you to believe. Please don't. story says, I loved Jesus. And everything I said and everything I did, I loved Jesus. Because that's all I had to give. He has given everything for me. That's all I can give him. seconds. I'm going to close this invitation. But you really need to come. I'm going to go one step further before I close. I'm going to pray. You're here this morning and your only plea for whatever reason is this. I need Jesus. For whatever reason. Once you raise your hand, put it right back down. We're going to pray. God bless that hand and that hand. And all over the building. I need Jesus. Anyone else right before I pray? God bless that hand. We're so thankful for this day, for all the blessings of life, for how good you've been to us, Father. Father, thank you for writing our story. For putting together the greatest story ever told. And that's simply the story of grace. Thank you for the opportunity to come into your house and worship you. those that raise their hand, Father, that just need you for whatever reason. You know exactly what it is, Father. I pray that you especially bless them this morning, that you touch their situations and their lives, that things will change, that their story isn't over yet.